Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged. Now here's today's message. Amen to that. I actually always say, Pastor Ron, I said I have two Holy Spirit. I have the Trinity and then I have my wife. You know, so I'm, I'm extremely blessed to have two Holy Spirits. Some of y'all are like, that's theologically incorrect. Shut up. That's because you're not married. <laughs> now, it is good to be with you guys. It is such a joy because uh, we love Pastor Ron and Pastor Lori. We love the Tamale family. And, and uh, I, I've got to be part of Mike's life and uh, Dan and Carissa. It's been an amazing journey. And that's the beauty of being rooted in the house of God and seeing our young people grow up and become everything that God called them to become. And one of my favorite things about being part of the New Life community is the fact that, you know, these families have been together for so long. It's such a testament to you guys, your faithfulness, and how much God has done when you just stay together, right? Unity commends a blessing. And I need you, once in a while, you need someone to come on the outside and remind you how blessed you are to have the pastors that you have. Can we thank God for Pastor Ron and Pastor Lori? And the name of the church is so fitting because when I think about them, I think about three things. It's very simple for me. I was thinking about it when I was coming here praying. I'm like, God, Pastor Ron is a man of worship, prayer, and family. Like those are the three things that comes automatically to mind. And that anointing transfers to everything else. And so I'm grateful to be able to to have this man as one of my spiritual leaders and, and blessing in my life. Amen. I want to share with you out of 1 Samuel chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I've just been feeling very strongly lately about we need to realign ourselves with the voice of the Lord. More than ever, I feel like one of the greatest need of our day is the need for discernment, and discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit, right, for us to be able to, a better word for discernment is to distinguish between the voices, because I don't know about you, but there's so much chaos out there right now. There's so many voices. There's so many opinions, but not enough revelation. Not enough, this does say it, the Lord kind of a voice. And, and, and it's sad because the last couple of years, with everything that's happening with COVID and the political tension, uh, the racial tension, you know, there's, there's just so much division in our country that unfortunately, I think it has all spilled over into the church. And the church is meant to be distinct, set apart from the ways of society. Can you say amen? So we need to reclaim that drive to hear the voice of the Lord. And I pray today that through the scriptures and some principles here, that it will help us to realign ourselves again with the voice of God. Can you say amen? First Samuel chapter 3 says this. It says, the boy... Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. 
And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been yet revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling us, uh, us at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. That is the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. So Father, we come to your presence. And we pray this same prayer that this boy prayed. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Would you pray that with me? Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. Our hearts are open. Our minds are receptive. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about hearing God. I believe God is still very active. God is very personal. God is still speaking to those who are leaning in to his voice. It's interesting that the scripture tells us that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. And I find that interesting because there's nothing new under the sun. I feel like we're in a place, again, where the word of the Lord is rare. And if you begin to study the context of why the word was rare, you'll find that there's a couple of reasons why the Lord wasn't speaking as much. It tells you two things if you're taking notes. It says, number one reason why God wasn't speaking as much to his people during this time period, number one reason was because there was a lot of spiritual corruption among the leaders of his people. Matter of fact, Eli had two sons, and these two sons were defiling the temple. They were, they were taking bribes. They were sleeping with women when their wives, and, and there was a lot of this going on. And it, was, it was spilling over into the rest of the people, and the Bible says not only there was spiritual corruption, but there was a lot of disobedience. The people of God begin to mingle with other pagans around them and begin to kind of take on their, their culture and take on their ways of life that this holy, righteous God says, I can't continue to speak to my people if they're going to blend in with the rest of society. And again, you know, it's sad to say, but there's nothing new under the sun. It seems like we're allowing society to kind of shape us as opposed to being the ones to shape society. Scripture tells us to not conform to the ways of the world, but to be transformed by renewal of our minds so we may test and know what is God's pleasant, perfect, and goodwill. See, I don't know if you understand this, but God is in the business of God. Like, God is in the business of himself first and foremost, right? And so God's like, man, if you guys are not going to buy by my principles, then guess what? I am going to shrink back. And there's nothing worse than getting the silent treatment from God. I don't know how you felt as a kid, but, but as a kid, if you get in trouble and, and you get a spanking, at least you know. <laughs> but if your parents are giving you the silent treatment, your mind begins to wonder, Right? There's nothing worse than when your mom said, wait until your dad comes home. 
Like, it could be that he'll be home in two hours, but it feels like an eternity. Like, what is he going to do? Why do I say this? I say this because, my friends, I'd rather God spank me than to leave me alone. Because it's his goodness that will spank you. Right? And so, my friends, if we're going to reclaim the heart of God, and we're going to reclaim his purpose for our lives, the first and most important principle here for us to understand, if you're going to hear from God, you must live a life of repentance and obedience. That is the opposite of a life of corruption and disobedience. Because the Lord loves to speak to his people, but he won't break his principles. See, a life of repentance is supposed to be a normal way for a believer. What is repentance? Repentance is turning away from sin and changing my mind. In other words, when you meet the Lord, you realize that, man, I don't want to live outside of his will. And so I need to constantly be repenting. Any single time I find myself drifting from him, I can't wait to realign myself with him. Why? Because he's too good for me to be outside of his will. And so repentance is not something that I do once or twice. Repentance is a way of life. It's a way of living because I can quickly drift away. You know, we're coming into the summer season when you go to the beach. And I don't know if you ever find yourself at the beach and you're playing and, and, and you're in the water. Next thing you know, you look up and, and you're like, oh, wow, we drifted so far. We, we were over there. You ever find yourself at the beach? And I find that's what happens to a lot of us in life sometimes. We drifted so far and we don't realize, wait a minute, we're supposed to be over there with this will and with this purpose. And repentance is realigning and going back to where you're supposed to be in the first place. But here's the thing, repentance without obedience is incomplete. Because I'm a parent, I have five knuckleheads. Pray for us. They're, they're, they're 14 all the way down to six. That's a lot of work. But these knuckleheads are growing, they're developing, their brains are developing, so it's normal for us to hear the word sorry. Right? Like, I don't know how many times a day you hear the word Sorry. But that word sorry comes in many shapes and forms. You ever hear this sorry? I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> Terrence, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, I don't care how you said it, but that ain't sorry. <laughs> I said sorry. <laughs> and you're teaching them that like, just because you said sorry doesn't mean you're sorry. Right? So, so just being sorry is not enough. Like as parents, we want, you want something more than sorry, right? You want, you want some restitution, right? You want some obedience. You want that that, that, that sorry is going to lead to something different. And it's no different with our Heavenly Father than when we say we're sorry, God is expecting now that you're sorry, obey me. Right? Because obedience is better than sacrifice, right? Obedience is actually when we know we're really in tune with him. Jesus says, if you love me, you will feel goosebumps. No, he says, if you love me, you will obey me. Why? Because repentance without obedience is incomplete. Like, we, we, we come to great churches, man. We have great worship services. And the Holy Spirit, when he's leading, man, the Holy Spirit will, will speak to us. And we'll get very emotional. We'll be very tender. We're crying. But my friends, that will be incomplete if we don't follow up with obeying him. Nothing wrong with a good cry, but that good cry needs to lead to obedience. Because, listen, if, listen to me, if there's no obedience outside of the crying, all you had was a great emotional experience. But my friends, if we're going to hear the voice of God, we have to repent, but we also have to obey his voice. 
This is one of the number one principles of why I think some people have stopped hearing God. It's because they're not living in a life of repentance and obedience. Are you tracking with me? In Psalm 24, it says this about those who want to be in communion with the Lord. It says this in Psalm 24. It says, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. You know, back in those days, you can pinpoint idols because they would make them out of wood and stone. But nowadays, we have idols in our hearts. What is an idol? What anything you elevate above God. A career could become an idol. A relationship could become an idol. Money can become an idol. Why? Because we have replaced it with the presence of God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their Savior. God is looking for people with clean hands and pure hearts. You're not going to receive clean hands and a pure heart without a life of repentance and obedience. Can you say amen? amen. I tell our church all the time, when you read the Bible, you've got to read it like you're hooked on phonics. Millennials, hooked on phonics was this thing we used to have. To help you learn how to read well and encourage you to read slowly. Take your time. Right? And I say that because sometimes we might miss these little nuggets if we go too fast. But in verse 1, it says that not only was the word rare, but, it, but I love, I love, I hope you, you didn't miss this, but I love what he says about this young man, Samuel. He says, this young boy, Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli. Under Eli. This is so important, my friends. If you want to hear the voice of God, you got to ask the question, can I live a life of submission? Matter of fact, the word under here is where you get the word submission. Submission is where you get the word submarine. A submarine is best used when it's submerged. Another word for submission is, can I live under a mission? The opposite of submission is division. Why? Because where there's more than one vision, then we're going in different directions. So he is a young boy, and he is under the leadership of Eli, the high priest. God speaks, if you're taking notes, when we live in submission to spiritual authority. You see, this is a big test, especially nowadays, where... Everybody wants to be their own person. And it, it, is, it is so emphasized in our society that we don't realize that, yeah, that may sound great, but the reality is we all live with each other. And any relationship without submission leads to chaos. Right? Submission is to have a mission. Think about it. That starts at home. Any marriage that doesn't have a common vision is going to be in trouble. Right? Any, any house that is not in submission, show, I'll show you a chaotic house. Any job that doesn't have submission, I can show you a workplace that is chaotic. Any nation without submission, we're seeing it. We're paying a price for a chaotic nation that doesn't have the understanding of living under the same mission. And let me, let me say something that a lot of people don't get, that unity commends a blessing, but unity is not uniformity. 
In other words, I don't have to look like you, talk like you, act like you, dress like you to want the same things you do. It's just that my life and my heart should be aligned with the same principles that we have if we're going to live under the will and the covering and the blessing that God has for us. See, this is what blows my mind about this little young man. In a time where the word was rare, God trusted his word to this young boy, which most commentaries believe he was around the age of 12. Now, think about that for a second. In a time where God's not speaking much to adults, he trusts his word to a child. And you can't help but to think about what Jesus said, right? If we're going to receive the kingdom, we must have the heart of a child. Right? And what he's saying there, he's not telling you to, to be childish. What he's saying is, can you be teachable like a little child? It's amazing. In all of us, there's still a little child that should never, we should never lose that sense of teachability, that sense of wonder, that sense of awe. But somewhere in life, we get to this place where we, get to, we stop learning and we stop being teachable. And God, once again, is reminding us, I will speak to someone who is teachable. To someone who's willing to be in submission to my will and to the authority that I put in place. See, that, that's where a lot of people struggle because they don't understand that God is not going to bypass a principle to bless your life. Every blessing of God has a principle attached to it. Makes me think about little Johnny. Little Johnny, you know, was in church acting a fool. He wasn't doing what these kids were doing. Little Johnny was jumping around, you know, the sanctuary. And mom was having a conversation. And little Johnny is just jumping around. Mommy's trying to calm him down. You know, moms, you know, you guys can multitask. You know, mom's got her back turned to Johnny, but mom can see that Johnny is acting a fool. Jumping from chair to chair. So Johnny keeps doing his thing. Mom keeps telling Johnny, stop. Johnny's not stopping. This is going on. Mom's now is frustrated. Uh, God bless all the moms, by the way. You guys are MVPs. You guys are amazing. <laughs> so mom finally is fed up, grabs Johnny, sits him down in a chair, says, Johnny, sit down. And Johnny said, I may be sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why a lot of people don't hear the voice of God. They're sitting down, but they're not submissive. I, I find this out uh, as a pastor that just because someone is in the house doesn't mean they're submitted to the voice. And we found this out very quickly the last couple of years during COVID, man. Like, there was a lot of people that came out of woodwork and, and, and claimed to speak for God. But my question was always, are you submitted to anyone? Just because you got a YouTube page doesn't mean you're hearing from God. Just because you have an Instagram page, the question you got to ask yourself when someone is claiming to speak for God, you got to ask, who's your spiritual authority? Who do you respond to? Because God operates in unity and submission to a common vision and mission. Can you say amen? amen. See, I can't thank God enough for the covering that we have. Well, we moved to, to New Bedford eight years ago to plant the church. And, and, and God has been so gracious to us, so good to us. And I have a lot of friends who have tried to start churches struggling. And they always ask, like, what's the, what's the secret? I'm like, there's no secret. you got to have covering because covering commends a blessing when you are under the submission of the people that God put in place. I, I talk to myself about this all the time. I'm like, the greatest blessing of new life for me is the fact that the three families that started new life over 30 plus years ago are still together. That's a miracle in itself. 
in a day and age where most people just take off because we don't want to submit. So to me, just being here with Pastor Ron is a testimony in itself of the power of living in submission to spiritual authority. You know, Hebrews tells us this, right? In the book of Hebrews, it says, it says this, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will not be a benefit to you. Now, of course, the, the struggle with the word submission is that a lot of us, we have seen bad leaders. Like some of us came from bad homes, bad parents. Some of us have seen bad teachers and, 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 and forget the politicians. <laughs> you know, some of us have seen, you know, pastors acting a fool. Especially nowadays, we're seeing a lot of weird stuff happening. And so it's, 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 it's rightly so when someone says submit that we buck the system and we want to rebel against it. But, but the thing we miss when these things are happening, my friends, is that we're looking at the people, but we're not looking at the principle of God. You see... It says here that they, they, each leader has to give an account to God. In other words, no one's getting away with anything. So if you're not going to submit to someone because of their imperfection, it's not them that you're kicking against and rebelling against. You're rebelling against God who put the principle in place of submission because God will deal with that person, but also God will deal with you for how you treated the person that he put in, some, in spiritual authority over you. Like one of the things that I've seen people just going crazy over is politics. Politics has become an idol. Like politics now is, is a religion. And it's sad because you hear people say things that I'm like, that Holy Spirit will never co-sign that stuff. Like, like you may not agree with someone's policy. You may not agree with the way they run the country. But man, last time I checked, the word says that God puts people in authority. So I can say not my president, but what I'm doing is I'm defiling the very thing that God put in place. And don't forget, the New Testament was written during the Roman Empire, one of the worst governments you could ever be under. But they knew, hey, we're going to trust God. He's the final authority in our lives. And we're not going to defy the very thing that God put in place to try to claim that we're doing it in the name of God. Jesus said there would come time where people would think they're doing God a favor. But they're actually getting away of God. Some of the stuff we don't talk about in the last days. Everybody talk about Jesus coming back, but it's like, Jesus like, how can I come back? Y'all are a mess. That's a message for another time. But I find it fascinating that God could trust a young boy with his word in a time where the word was rare. Because he was submissive and teachable. And think about it. If you keep reading, go home and read the rest of this scripture. The word that comes to Samuel is a heavy word. The word that God speaks over him is a word of judgment against Eli's house. How would you like that to be your first word from God? As a young boy, God's like, he said, speak, Lord. God's like, yeah, I have a problem with the way Eli's running things. He's let his sons get away with a lot. There's a lot of corruption, disobedience. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe the, the slate clean. I was thinking about this. How would a young boy... Like Samuel, if he got that word today, how would he react? I guarantee you, if that was today, this young boy Samuel is starting an Instagram account. 
he would have a YouTube page. And he would have some clickbaits. He would have titles like, does Eli really hear from God? Is Eli truly the high priest? How do you know you're hearing from God? Don't forget to like and subscribe. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's how most people will handle a word like today. Like too hasty, too quickly to get out there and try to speak for God, but not asking the question, God, is this the timing for this? What blows my mind about Samuel, Samuel doesn't do any of that because there is a time where God speaks and then there's a time where God releases you to do the very thing that he's asking you to do. And there are certain things that God speaks and he tells you to treasure it in your heart. Another young, another young person in the Bible who was trusted with revelation, her name was Mary, she was trusted with this child, Jesus. And there were some things that God revealed to her and she treasured it in her heart. She didn't go on Instagram and tell you, hey guys, I'm about to birth the Son of God. You might want to like and subscribe. Because I got the in-scoop on everything heavenly. It's crazy what we've done today. When we think everything is supposed to just, we're supposed to just run with it. This young man didn't do any of that. Why? Because this young man understood the power of submission and authority and timing. God has a time and a place for everything, the Bible says. And this was not the time for him to do that. Here's here's a follow-up question that blows my mind. I was studying this. Would you stay under the leadership of a man who is about to be judged? Oh, would you put him on blast? Well, God said it. I have to. But God said it, but there was a timing for it. Do you know that Samuel kept serving under Eli for some time? You know that when Eli asked him, hey, what did God tell you? Samuel told him exactly word for word. And Eli said, well, if God said it, I bet a lot of people would go, it's time for me to start my ministry. You know how many ministries have been birthed prematurely? You know how many preenies we have? Because we don't understand that when God speaks, there's a time for that thing to come to pass. It takes nine months to develop a child. But that child is already there. It's just that God has a timing for that child to come to pass. I don't know what I'm talking to today, man, but you got to stay in the moment long enough to let the full thing take full force and develop and become. Because I hate to say, in my years now, I've seen a lot of preenie babies in the spirit. Nothing wrong with preenies, but man, don't you want a full-blown baby? Don't you want a a full-blown relationship? A full-blown marriage, a full-blown job, a full-blown ministry. Whatever it is that God has for you, there's a timing and a place for when he releases you into that reality. So many marriages are struggling. Why? It was premature. So many work. 
God may, we just had a meeting with business leaders in that church, and I love that because they have a specific calling. But I'm like, that's a the unique calling. You have to trust God with timing on things. See, the, the enemy hates authority. We know this. From, from Genesis, we know that he lights the match to bring the rebellion against authority. He says, did God really say that? But he can't make you do anything. All he can do is suggest it. So I believe what he did is he lit a match and ran away. But here's the catch. Here's a mature word. I hope you catch this. I don't think the enemy would have said that if Eve was already contemplating it. See, sometimes I think we fall for temptation because we're already prone to it. I think Eve was already like rehearsing what she wanted to do. Right? And so when, she, when he lit the match, he, he was only suggesting something that she was already leaning towards. The devil cannot make you do anything. He can only suggest it. But this was the first time we see spiritual authority being defied. Because God said clearly, like, don't, don't do that. By the way, I don't know if you ever think about this because we're so used to the Sunday school, uh, you know, understanding of that. But God says, hey, here's a garden. He didn't, he wasn't your Portuguese grandmother garden. It was a country. Like God says, here's a country. And we're like, I just want the tree. Isn't it crazy as humans? God blesses you with all of this and you're like, yeah, but about that though. <laughs> uh, I, there's so many observations I can make about that, but I, I, I gotta, I'm running out of time. <laughs> but my, my point is this, my friends. Where there's no submission, there's chaos. Where there's no submission, there's division. And when there's no obedience to submission, there's no fruits. You won't see what God wants you to see without being submissive to the authority that he put in place. Let me give you an example from Jesus' ministry. You know, he picked these guys, and he had this one guy who was a loudmouth. I think he was from New Bedford, Peter. Because <laughs> Peter always has something to say. Like, I can't, I can't identify with Peter. But this one particular in, incident was that Jesus was preaching, and sometimes Jesus would use the boat as, as the pulpit. And Jesus, I don't know how long he was preaching, because, you know, as preachers, we're like, we're about to close, but it's like we keep lying. We never close. <laughs> So I don't know how long Jesus was preaching, but he turned around and he said, he said to the guys, hey, let's go fishing. And they're like, but we just came back from fishing. You know the story, right? But watch this. Look at this story from a fresh perspective. Watch this. Go ahead and throw it up. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, which is Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, here's Peter, Master, we've worked hard all night and have a caught anything. Now, I don't know how you read the Bible, but I like to put myself in these situations. Like, think about it. Like, they've, they've been fishing all night. Usually fishermen, they'll spend, you know, all night trying to catch something, and this is the morning, and they're probably, you know, washing up stuff and trying to put it away, and Jesus is like, let's go back fishing, and Peter, he's the fisherman. He's like, come on, man. I know you're Jesus. You're a great preacher, but I'm, I'm the fisherman. Like, you're a great rabbi, and you only work on Sundays. That's funny. I don't care who you are. But I'm the fisherman. Like, I have the experience. I, we, we tried all night, Jesus. Like, I know you're like the spiritual authority and all that, but when it comes to fishing, I'm the authority. 
I should have my own YouTube page. <laughs> oh, that was funny to me. So you can see this dilemma in this moment. But to Peter's credit, the story doesn't end there. Right? Because he says, but. I like buts in the Bible because there's a transition. But because you say so, I will lay down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Could it be that a lot of times we're praying for breakthrough, but God's waiting for you to obey the word so you can get the breakthrough that you're praying for? Could it be that God has already spoken over whatever situation you find yourself in, but you haven't transitioned from the word to the but because you say so? Sometimes I believe you can get a breakthrough even if you are reluctant about obeying the word. Because the word is powerful. When you obey it, you activate the faith that he needs to come to pass in Jesus' name. And so listen, he didn't want to, but he, had, he, had, he was wise enough to know you said so. Therefore, God, I'm going to do. I don't know what God's speaking to you about today, but when the God speaks... You have to obey. And when you obey, you will get the breakthrough. Because to get a breakthrough, something has to break. Sometimes, you know what's to break? Our pride. Sometimes it's just our pride needs to break. Sometimes our pride is keeping us from making that phone call. Sometimes our pride is keeping us from applying. Sometimes our pride is keeping us from the altar. Sometimes our pride is speaking a keeping us from making amends with that person. You know that you could be holding your own break from a breakthrough because you say so. See, this is why we can't rely just on our emotions. Our emotions won't say so. Your emotions will tell you the opposite of what you need to do sometimes. Some people didn't come to church today because they didn't feel like it. Guess what? There's no breakthrough. Because they kept themselves from the breakthrough by simply going against the grain of your feelings. Because feelings come and go, but the word of God remains the same. You want to hear God put principles over feelings. A lot of marriage in trouble because we're in our feelings. <laughs> I asked a, a man who's married for 60 years. He said, what's the secret? He goes, secret? He goes, I... I don't feel married many times, but I look at my ring. I made, a, I made a commitment. And commitment is not feelings. That would preach. Hello, somebody. That was for free. That's a good word. But you know what's amazing to me? Eli, in his own imperfection, I give him credit because he realized that the Lord was positioning Samuel to hear from him. This is a mature word, my friends. God will use imperfect leaders to point you to a perfect God. So if you resist the leader because he's imperfect, you might be resisting the will of God. In this moment, this is amazing. He, he realizes, wait a minute, I know, a, I know this is God does what any healthy spiritual leader wants to do. He wants to point Samuel to God himself. See, Eli realized that this is a moment for Samuel. He says, go, lie down, say, speak, Lord, for your servant 
is listening. My friends, can I talk from a healthy standpoint? Because we know we've seen a lot of unhealthy spiritual leadership, but a healthy spiritual leader just wants to position you to know the will of God. I, I can say that with all the confidence in the world, that my wife and I, our greatest desire is to see people in the will of God. Even if that means they shouldn't be part of our church community. Because when you care about people, you want them in the middle of God's will. We recently had a meeting with a couple that we love dearly. They go to one of our campuses. We have two campuses. They, went, they go to one of them, and we can tell, like, listen, this is not what God has you. So why don't we release you into what God has for you? Because I'd rather see you where God wants you to try to keep you where God doesn't have you. A healthy spiritual leader wants you to experience the presence and the will of God. Even if he means go somewhere else. So he says to him, go lie down. Speak for your servant is listening. This is so powerful. This principle is so important, my friends. Are we making room to hear the voice of God? See, we live in chaotic times. We, we, our schedules are busy and we, we can do so much. That sometimes, could it be that God is trying to speak, but we're too busy to listen? I read a great commentary on the story of Moses, and Moses encounters the burning bush, but the rabbi said something really powerful because he said Moses went by that place many times. Could it be that the burning bush was there for a long time, just Moses never noticed? And the rabbi made a great point. He says, how many times are we, are we walking by burning bushes every day without noticing? Because we're not stopping enough. To say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You see, Psalm 46.10 is one of my favorite psalms. It's a, it's a simple promise of God. It says, be still and know that I am God. To be still right now is a hot commodity, isn't it? To really be still. Because everything in us and our society has conditioned us to always be doing or listening to something. Like you can't go home without putting on the TV or, 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 or put it on the, the, the radio. And nowadays, my friends hear me because as Christians, we can do this too and think, and think we're hearing God. But I, I, I believe that too many of a good thing gets in the way of God. Always listening to worship music, always having a podcast on, always listening to another preacher, always listening to another YouTube preacher. You know what you're doing? You're conditioning your soul to always receive God from a secondhand experience. When God is a personal God, he's an intimate God. He's a God that says that if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I don't have to keep going to a secondhand command. Now, those secondhand may confirm what God's already speaking to me if I'm making time to listen to him. In the first place. So I find that even as Christians, we have created these idols of podcasts and YouTubes and all these different things. It's like nothing wrong with those things. But man, God wants to speak to you personally and intimately. I believe this, Pastor Ron, that when we are seeking God all week long, that when we come to church, it should just be confirmation of what God has been speaking to us all week long. That this word is better received when I'm already in the flow of his spirit all week long. I don't know about you, but I have to prepare my heart to go to church. Like, 
I don't know if you ever read the psalmist. It says, I was glad when it said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Like, they would be excited to go into the house of the Lord. It wasn't just like, you know, what are we doing tomorrow? I guess we're going to church. So, you know, there's a preparation attached to it. There's this, like, expectation attached to it. Man, I'm going to go in God's house, and, and God, God brings his people together. Man, there's an explosion of life that takes place. And that happens Saturday, man, into Sunday. Because I don't want to miss his voice. Make room, my friends, to hear God's voice. Like, make room during a week to hear God's voice. Listen, I have something I've been doing for years now that, that if I don't do it, I feel something's missing. At least a couple of days a week, I need to get away to just try to hear God. And we're all different. There's different things that speaks to us. For me, is, is in my car, in a, in a body of water in front of me, just decompress and declutter. Say, God, speak. Do I always hear something? No, but I'm conditioning my soul to always want to be in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord, for your service listening, because you know there's so much going on. We're bombarded every day. See, the world preaches more than we do. It's not a day the world's not preaching to you. On your way home today, the world will be preaching to you through billboards. You're not happy you don't have this phone. You're not happy. You don't have this car. The world is constantly preaching. I need to make time to hear the voice of my father, who also wants to speak. But he's usually, he speaks through a gentle whisper. Just quiet myself long enough to hear his voice. Worship team, you can come. Listen, as I wrap up, can I encourage you? It's summertime. Great time to read. I love reading. It expands my mind and understanding. There's a great classic book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, worth revisiting. It's a great book because it's all about the principles of like this personal God and how much he wants us to experience him. And in it, he talks about these principles that God has laid out for us to experience him. Now, I just want to remind you of four common ways that God speaks. Number one, God speaks through prayer. See, we have made prayer a one-way thing, but when you, prayer all along was meant to be a two-way communication. That's why I love this simple prayer, speak, Lord, for your service listening. See, a lot of times we come to God with our laundry list, and then we dump it all on him, and then we go away. You ever had a conversation with someone where they did all the talking, and they told you, good talk, and you're like, I didn't say anything. I feel like that's how we treat prayer sometimes. Just come to God and we say everything we have to say and, and, and we make the mistake of thinking that prayer is telling God what to do. My friends, prayer is not telling God what to do. Prayer is submitting to his voice so his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. So if I'm not stopping to hear him, I might be saying a lot, but I'm not hearing a lot. I don't know how your prayer life has been lately, but my prayer life lately has been less words, more listening. Speak, Lord. Jeremiah says it this way. He says, you will seek me and find me where you seek me with all your heart. See, when I say that, I don't mean like you have to be in a prayer closet for two, three hours a day. No, all you got to do is what Paul says. He says, pray without ceasing. Always be in the attitude of prayer. You know what my favorite place to pray is? My car. My car is a holy anointed place. Whoever gets this car next is going to get saved. Because I have so much communion in that car with the Lord. 
Recently, someone broke into my car, and my wife always gets mad that I don't lock the doors of my car. Someone broke into my car and took all my change. <laughs> and then, but they left the glove compartment open. They didn't take anything in the glove compartment. It was all my books, and he could, you know, they can see Jesus all over the books. I think they got convicted and just left. I think that person's going to get saved and bring my chain back. Pastor, here's your change. Try to break into your car, but I met Jesus in your car. <laughs> you can pray anywhere. Hey, there's nothing like waking up in the morning and just saying, God, we're going to work together. Hey, I want to I wanna be in tune with you today. I don't have to wait for church to have prayer. I can talk to God anytime and I can listen. Second thing that God always uses is his word. God speaks through the Bible. Like the most short, sharp way to hear God's voice is what he's already said. The word of God, man, is powerful. It says this, look, all scriptures, all of it, including Leviticus. <laughs> if you've never met Leviticus, you know what I'm talking about. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting. Hey, today if you felt rebuke, you heard God. Because we usually like, I just want to be inspired. God's like, in order to inspire you, I got to rebuke some things to align you. So thank God for his rebuke because it's his rebuke that leads us to repentance. <laughs> Training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Learn to be in the word every day. It's a short shot way of being in the flow of his spirit. Being in the word. Third way that God speaks, God speaks through circumstances. Some of you are in circumstances right now that God's like, I got you exactly where I want you. We know the promise in, in Romans, right? And we know that in all things, I looked up the, the original all things, everything. Not some spiritual things, like everything. All things, God works for the good of those who? Come on, say it like you love him. Like those who? Love him who have been called according to his purpose. That's important because I see people jack up this promise. It says he, he works things out for those who love him. Because I've seen people in some, some conditions. You put yourself in that situation. You can't say, God will work it out. God's like, no, no. I got to re rebuke to that first. <laughs> if we're going to work that out. So get this right. This, this promise works because you are in this will pursuing him. Seeking him. Worshipping him. Submitted to the authority placed in your life. When you're doing all those things, God's like, whatever you find yourself in, I will work it out for your good. Because you love me and you love my will. You're not just going through the motions. Uh, one time a, a, a lady said to me, you know, I'm living with my boyfriend, but if it is God's will, I'm going to stop right there. That ain't God's will already. <laughs> you're already outside of God's will and to her credit they repented and did it right and moved away and then got married and today they're, they're pillars in our, in, our, in our community thank God that there's repentance that leads us to the right way of living all things work together and lastly today my friends God speaks through his church we didn't come up with this idea we're not that smart it's God's idea tells you this in Ephesians. It says, so Christ, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we are all, until we all reach what? What's that word there? Unity. Unity commands a blessing, my friends. 
in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, what's another word there? Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The church, my friends, has always been God's idea. There's a warfare against the church right now. Ever since COVID hit, man, everything is trying to keep us. Listen, in New Bedford, we had to fight legally to keep the church open. And it's the last thing we wanted to do because we're like, man, we love our city. We don't want to be at odds with our city. But man, you cannot close down the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against God's people. But COVID exposed a lot of things as well. You realize, well, a lot of people are not rooted in the church. No wonder we buy into these bozos on YouTube. Because we're not rooted in the house. When you're not rooted in the house, anything sounds good. The enemy used COVID to pull people away from the house. To understand the promises of God are hard for us in the West. You know why? Because we live in a, in a society that emphasizes me, myself, and I. But this scriptures were written from an Eastern mindset, which is about community. Even God is a community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When they made man, he said, let us make man in our image and likeness. We need community. We need each other. We're not meant to do life alone. That's why I'm glad we have crews coming up. We need to be in each other's lives. We need to keep each other accountable, keep each other lifted up in prayer, keep each other uh, uh, in, in the will of God because sometimes I come to church and you minister to me. I was telling Pastor Ron, we were just talking about his, his testimony that worship is a testimony to somebody else who maybe doesn't know how to worship yet. So we cannot forsake. The Bible says do not forsake meeting together summer is coming my friends summer is a season not a lifestyle like make it a way i just read something that really just jacked me up it made me sad that that when a generation doesn't make church priority then the kids will make church a priority and those kids will have kids and church will become less of a priority and then when those kids have kids then those kids grow up with no concept of god I was glad when it said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? There's fullness of joy when the people of God come together to worship, to pray, to hear the word. We open the altar. We fellowship. There's communion. There's breakthrough. There's blessings because unity commends a blessing. Stand with me as we pray this morning. I'm so glad you came to God's house. And I believe these principles, when applied, will lead us to hear his voice. But I don't know if you caught it, but the, the verse that really kind of jacks you up a little bit is verse 7. It says this, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Samuel grew up in church. But he didn't have an experience with God yet. My friends, understand this. Attendance is not the same thing as revelation. You're here. That's great. That's half the battle. The other half is God, reveal yourself to me. Because I don't want to just be in the house but not be in tune with you. In tune with your voice. See, God wants to speak to us. But sometimes we got to stop and say, speak, Lord. I'm listening. I don't want to be just in the house. I want to be in 
the will. I want to be in tune with your voice. See the story of the prodigal son, we always miss it. Jesus said, let me tell you a story about two sons, but we always focus on the prodigal because it's easy to know the one that's lost out there. But he had a brother who was lost in the house. It's actually that story is more about the older brother than the younger because he was making a point to the religious leaders. It's like, you guys are supposed to be going after those who are lost. You've become the older brother who is just about himself. I pray that's not us. We came to God's house. Let's go the extra mile and say, God, speak. You don't want to just have a head knowledge of God. You want to have an experience. See, the reason why I think a lot of people lost their way during COVID is because they had head knowledge. They didn't have revelation. When you don't have revelation, it doesn't hold you down. Because when you have revelation, you know, God, you're with me through COVID. You're with me through a pandemic. You're with me through every single thing I'm going through. God, the country may be in uproar right now. There may be chaos right now. But Lord, those who wait upon you will renew their strength. Would you bow your heads with me and lift your hands to the Lord and just let's believe God for a fresh anointing, a fresh revelation of his spirit right now. Don't just come to church. Ask. Speak, Lord. I want to listen. I want a revelation. I want to know you in my knowing. I want to have an encounter with you. God, I don't want to be the same. I didn't come all the way here to be the same. I came to encounter you. Father, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Lord, in your presence, there's healing. There's breakthrough. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. Show yourself, Lord God. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Would you pray that, Lord, come, fall fresh on me. Holy Spirit, I need a touch from you. I want to know you. May your spirit overwhelm me. Will your presence overtake my heart? The Bible says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. I love this time. The altar time is powerful. Where we just come and say, Lord, we're laying it all out for your glory and honor. Spirit of God, come. Prayer team, come. Let's worship. Let's open up the altar. Soak in the presence of God. Sometimes you got to linger in his presence. Wait for a touch. Can I encourage you? Don't leave the same way you came in. I love Jacob when he prayed. He said, Lord, I'm not leaving until you bless me. I'm not leaving until you touch me. So let's worship. The altar's open. Come after God and God will come after you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.